What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks, and let's go, Calvin. Let's go. It was a busy weekend. We got a lot to talk about. Not surprising to see Mike is first in the comments here. <laughs> Congratulations, Mike. Your Mavs are back in it. Yes, it was a very busy weekend. Uh, Kings got their guy. You're right. Some NBA teams made Calvin and I look like fools with our predictions. But hey, I hope you guys don't have a case of the Mondays because we got a ton to talk about on today's show. So let's do it. We're going to talk about some injury updates to Ja Morant, the weird injury to him and whether it was uh, breaking the code or not. <laughs> We're going to talk about the return of Joel Embiid. George Carl makes a guest appearance uh, in the headlines talking about NBA doping. Jokic wins the MVP award. Chris Paul gets into it or his family gets into it with some fans in Dallas. Monty Williams wins coach of the year. And we recap all the games from the weekend and give a preview of today's games before we finish the show, as always, with Q&A. Full, full slate today. There is a lot of stuff. Full, full slate. Also, hope, hope you guys are digging the new uh, banner we have here on the bottom. We just spent all morning working on that. I want to hear your opinions because uh, it's important what you guys feel, what you guys like. And, uh, you know, we want to make it a... Uh, very informative and uh, very appeasing and, and good looking as well. All right, Calvin. So first off, you want to give us a couple injury updates? Yeah, well, uh, Phoenix is breaking news here. I, I didn't have this one on the list, but apparently Robert Williams is out for game four today. Dude, did you see that elbow he took to the head? Oh, my God. It was rough. God. Yeah. Yeah. The, all these series have gotten incredibly physical over, over the past couple of games. Playoff basketball. It's playoff basketball. John Morant. I, there's no official injury update on him other than he's doubtful for the game. He didn't participate in shoot-around. Doesn't uh, look like he's going to play tonight in Game 4. There is no official prognosis on his knee. Uh, the head, Taylor Jenkins, head coach of the Grizzlies, is calling it knee soreness right now. Um, I think they're probably trying to play this a little close to the vest. They don't want to give away too much information. But it is very unlikely that he will suit up for Game 4. What do you think of that play? I'm really not sure what to think of it. I've watched it a ton of times over and over again. The first few times I watched it, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Um, the more I watch it, which probably isn't helping, because the more you watch something in slow motion, the more you can f yeah. make yourself see something that might not really be there. I, I don't think that it is the same as the Dylan Brooks play, but I'm really confused as to what Jordan Poole was doing in that moment. I mean, it, it, he was reaching for the ball, it looked like, but yes. then the grab and yank afterwards is the part where I'm like, okay, you wouldn't grab a ball like that and yank it. Well, you would try to swipe a ball like that. I mean, that's more I mean, of a swiping than a, I it, don't know. It's really weird. I, I don't know. I, I mean, in real time, for Jordan Poole to actually think I'm going to grab his knee and pull it, that seems kind of not realistic to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But I, it doesn't It doesn't look great. I, I don't know. I'm really not so sure what to make of it. 
Yeah, it, it's an interesting play. I think Jordan Poole's the only one in the world that's actually going to know what he was trying to do. Um, but, I mean, the dude hasn't really been a dirty player or made dirty plays in the past that I've seen. I do have to say, though, it's pretty interesting when you look at the history of the Warriors and you have the Zaza Pachulia thing <laughs> oh, with yeah. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Uh, you have the, the other issues with Draymond Green and just injuring players in the past. It looks a little strange. That being said, I don't think it was intentional. I think he was going for yeah. the ball. But you're right. When you watch something multiple times in slow motion, you just start to think, okay, right. you're like breaking down every little aspect of it. Yeah. And I mean, there so many people have weighed in on this. There's my dad actually told me there's a doctor on YouTube who specializes in uh, knee and, and lower leg injuries in general. He apparently put out of, I haven't watched it, but he apparently put out a video describing how it was impossible for Jordan Poole to injure to, to cause a severe ligament damage to John Morant's knee with that one move. Um, you know, I mean, take that as you will. It doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't in, intentionally trying to grab his knee, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's just stating that it's unlikely that, that what he did uh, could have caused serious injury to his knee. So I, I don't really, I don't know what to make of this. Um, it, this series, because of everything that's already happened in the previous games, any minute thing like this, which it's not a minute thing, you know, John Morant missing a game is a huge deal for the Grizzlies, but any instance like this involving any players for the rest of this series is going to get blown way out of proportion now. Yeah, so when I look at situations like this, one of the things I really try and do is I try and say, okay, well, if this was Steph Curry and this was a player on the Grizzlies – what would they be saying? Would Draymond Green be upset? Would the Warriors be upset? Well, of course were they, they would. Were they saying that, that they were trying to hurt him? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think they would be upset. So maybe they can look themselves in the mirror and say, I understand why John Morant's upset. But bottom line, the Grizzlies got killed in this game. But we'll oh, yeah. talk about that here in a little bit. Um, it was an interesting play. And uh, unfortunate for John Morant, but in good news, as you were saying, a doctor says that it couldn't have uh, created extreme damage, so also good news for John Morant. Hopefully. I mean, we'll yeah. see what the the actual prognosis is on him, but we'll see. Yes. We'll Next up, Joel Embiid makes his return with the mask on. We actually see him get hit in the face in one of these games with the mask on, which is very scary. He looked like he was in a ton of pain, but he's been playing well. Uh, 18 and uh, 11 in Friday's game, 24 and 11 in Sunday's game. They win both games here by almost a combined 30-plus points. What are your thoughts on Joel Embiid returning? Did he look healthy to you? Um, I mean, he looks... He doesn't look 100% to me, and maybe some of that is physical and, you know, having to adjust to playing with a mask, things like that. Uh, they, you know, they also said he couldn't really do anything for, like, six days. He was just sitting in a dark room. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're not getting shots up. You're not running up and down. Um, I forgot all about the thumb injury also. Right. <laughs> so, you know, to me, I was like, well, he comes back. It's he's, As long as he can play through the, the pain in the face, he should be fine. But yeah. he's still dealing with a torn ligament in his 
thumb on his shooting hand. So that's going to affect his shot as well. What a beast. All, all in all, though, oh, yeah, I mean, he has done so much to reverse every type of stereotype or, yep. um, you know, preconceived notions of him not being able to play through injuries in the past, just in this one year. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's done really everything that he possibly can. So you have to give him a lot of credit. And as far as it goes on the court, he's been good. He hasn't been what we have become accustomed to seeing from him as of late, especially this season. But just having him on the court, you can see how much it helps everybody else. I mean, all of a sudden, they've Danny Green remembers how to shoot. James Harden can <laughs> score now. Um, so these guys are getting opportunities, and it's helping a lot on defense as well, for sure. He makes a huge difference for that team. He really does. And, yeah, it's funny. You forget about the thumb injury and all this stuff, too. But good to see him be back on the court. Many Sixers fans I know are ecstatic. And, hey, it's a tied series. We'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. Also want to give an update on Kyle Lowry. Uh, we saw him with the hamstring injury. It seemed to be affecting him quite a lot in that game. Any thoughts? He really does not look good at all out there. I mean, he's really struggled shooting. He's turned the ball over a lot. I think he has five turnovers and six points in the two games he played in Philadelphia. Um, I, yeah, if I was Miami, I don't know. I, I would really consider starting Gabe Vincent again over him right mm-hmm. now until I know that he's 100% healthy because he is not helping them more than he's hurting them at this point. Yeah, and they lost these games, right? So it's like take a break, man. They probably don't need you for this series, but losing the past two has definitely got to be uh, infuriating for the Miami Heat because they look like they were rolling through this series up to uh, both of well, these series. Jimmy Butler's the only guy that made the trip to Philadelphia. Yeah. Now, other than that, yeah. nobody showed up for Miami. So, Yeah, we know Pat Riley is, is not happy. I also want to give a shout-out to uh, you know the Lakers – show on HBO watched the new episode last night they won the championship not that I like that but it's interesting <laughs> to watch and it's cool because Pat Riley is finally becoming Pat Riley in the show which is which is a lot of fun all right next up in the news George Carl interesting article written um, about George Carl stating that the NBA has a doping problem, and a lot of NBA players, top NBA players, have issues with performance-enhancing drugs. He said that the testing systems are there, but they're not advanced enough, and the, the cheater or whoever's abusing these things is always one step ahead technology-wise. Um, he goes in to talk about you know why NBA players, including the late, great Kobe Bryant, head to countries like Germany in the offseason to do knee uh, rehab and, and take um, you know medications and things that are not approved in the United States. Calvin, what are your thoughts on this? Well, this is a tough subject to talk about, first of all, because we know in professional sports that this stuff happens. Um, it, it's just a question of how much does it happen and who gets caught and who doesn't. You know, I, I think most people kind of – believe that basketball is one of those sports where you would expect to see the least amount of this stuff. Um, but he, he makes good, a couple good points in his statements, which he's got this book coming out, right? Yep. Where, uh, 
I guess he's going to burn every single bridge that he's ever had <laughs> in the NBA because he slaughters everyone in this book, former players, coaches, all of it. So, But he does you know, bring up a couple good points. Guys are able to play longer now at a higher level than they've ever been before. You know, Some people would attest that to just the human genetics and evolving over time, becoming better athletes. But there's also things that can help with that stuff, it, you know, prolonging careers and recovering from injuries faster. All of that is true. My question is, uh, where is the proof? Uh, I mean, this just looks like an angry old man <laughs> who's trying to, to kill everybody out there. Like Mike he says. Hasn't, he hasn't coached in the league since 2015, 2016 with the yep. Kings. Did not go well. Did not go well. <laughs> Ever since then, I feel like he just is upset that people don't appreciate him, so he's trying to get back at all these people. You know, saying Kobe Bryant did it because he went to Germany and had this, oper this you know, pl plasma uh, treatment or whatever, it just doesn't make any sense to me like that it's it was very obvious what he was going there for mm -hmm. that procedure is not an illegal procedure not in germany not in germany <laughs> but the nba never really said it was illegal either otherwise they would have you know done something about it so i just don't really see i'd like to see more proof here it to me this just sounds like somebody who's pissed off and is trying to make himself relevant again yeah, D-Wade's done the same thing. Dwight Howard's also done it. Darren Williams has done it, and many, many others. It it, it kind of brings you into a really tough subject, right? When I always talk about doping or, or PEDs in sports, I always think about baseball, right? Because baseball was the one with the biggest controversy. And, you know, you go back to look at a lot of these guys that were suspended or banned or had all these issues, they were doing steroids before they were technically illegal to do in baseball. Yeah. But they still suffered the consequences. Um, and then, you know, as far as in different countries, there are different rules. Like like we were in, uh, what, the Caribbean a few years ago, and we were at a bar, and the bartender's pouring drinks out. And there's like 17-year-olds with their mouths open getting alcohol. That would <laughs> never happen in the United States. But because yeah. we were in another country, it was okay or allowed. Um, it, it's a really tricky subject here. We see what just happened to DeAndre Hopkins this last week, getting suspended for PEDs in, in uh, football. I don't really know what to think here. I agree with you in the fact that George Carl seems angry and mad. But at the same time, the dude has nothing to lose at this point. So if anybody's going to blow the whistle, it's going to be somebody that probably doesn't have anything to lose. So I'm very, very mixed on this subject. Yeah, I, I'm mixed on it, too, because I, I think it's naive to think that it doesn't happen at all. Yeah. You know, but the question is, how much does it happen and what type, you know, what things are these guys actually doing? It, it, yeah. That's another question, right? Like we should be looking into whether or not this is really considered cheating or if it's just some stuff that these guys are taking are a direct result of advancements in modern medicine yep. and they should be able to use that. Which we've been hearing, right? Guys are playing longer. Oh, wow. Uh, a guy survived, his career survived an Achilles injury. It survived all these injuries because of the advancements in modern science. How many of those are allowed? Right and are like getting you back to par versus the ones that are considered cheating, which right. is 
allowing your body to go above and beyond what it should be capable of. Yeah. Very, very thin line there. Incredibly thin. Mike wants to know if we're doing an SB's episode. Uh, I hadn't even, cr- that thought had not crossed my mind at all, but I like the idea. Yeah, we'll see if we can we get Will Smith in here to some slap some somebody yeah. on stage or something. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Next up, Chris Paul. Uh, a bad weekend for Chris Paul. After his birthday, the dude is looking old now. Uh, lost two yeah, maybe games he needs here. some HGH or something. Right? He's got to go to Germany or something. Uh, his wife and his mother get into it with Dallas Mavericks fans after the loss. Calvin, what the hell is going on here? I do not know. This is This was a very weird... Incident. I, I just want to read a tweet here from Tim McMahon, who covers uh, the NBA for ESPN. It says American Airlines Center and Dallas Mavericks security and executives have conducted an investigation into the incident involving Paul's family. Two unruly fans attempted to give unwanted hugs and have conversations with members of the Paul family on the public concourse at American Airlines Center. Uh, <laughs> Security responded immediately. They know they were once notified by the family and the fans were swiftly ejected from the game. The fans involved in the incident will not be allowed to return to the arena until 2023. And then there's all security. They're giving unwanted hugs. (laughs) There's also this from hoop central. Chris Paul reportedly led teammates into the Mavericks locker room through a secret tunnel. Oh, where have we heard, heard this before? We've heard this before. In order to fight Luka Doncic after the game. Oh I don't God. know if I believe that second one, but this was a really, really weird incident. I mean, clearly, the guy, this kid, he looks like a kid to yeah. me, did something that he probably shouldn't have done. Unwanted hug. <laughs> and... I think Chris Paul may have done something that he shouldn't have done either when he says to the kid, I'll see you later as he's leaving the stadium. Yeah. I totally understand where Chris Paul is coming from. If my family was there and they were being, you know, heckled or physically uh, assaulted, you know, something like that, I would definitely be upset and want something done about it. It just, it seems very weird. First of all, they get, it's a kid. He's trying to give hug. I don't know. His mom is with him. The whole thing is really, really bizarre. I mean, we just saw a couple games ago Luka Doncic getting into it with the Phoenix fans. Yeah. And everything was okay. And now it happens to Chris Paul, and it blows up into a huge situation. That's interesting that you mentioned the secret door to the <laughs> locker room because I don't know what the hell this has to do with Luka Doncic at yeah, all. I don't know what it has um, to do with him. Either, but we've but. heard this before with the Clippers – Chris Paul, as much as I like the guy, the dude gets away with a lot of shit. He really does. He he seems to, I guess. I don't know. But, it's, yeah, the, it's this this series is now taking a really wild twist. That I don't, We don't really are, or probably aren't going to talk about it too much, but that Devin Booker technical foul yeah. is one of the strangest technical fouls I've ever seen assessed <laughs> in my life. I, I still cannot wrap my head around that one, but... It's getting interesting, guys. It's getting ridiculous, man. It's it's getting ridiculous out here, man. A lot of Mavs fans were yelling angrily at the kid for like five minutes. He did something that upset as many people. Also, was his aunt, not his mom. Well, okay. <laughs> F- 
family member. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure that really makes a difference whether it's his mom or his aunt. Crazy but. situation, guys. Uh, it's you know, we all look up to these players. They're millionaires. They have these great lives, but they deal with a lot of bullshit too. Yeah. And you know, it's got to feel unfortunate to every time you want to go somewhere have to have security or someone there to protect you and have your back and now it's spilling off into his family members which is rough um chris paul you got to splurge on a box man get these guys out of the public eye (laughs) get them a personal seat so they're a little bit away from you not distracting you and they're comfortable and they they have a great environment to watch the game that's what i'd be doing still have the suns winning the series yes yes i did We'll see. We'll see here. <laughs> All right. You want to give a update on the MVP race? Uh, yeah. It was announced. Nikola Jokic officially wins back-to-back MVPs. He becomes the fifth play- 15th player in NBA history to win multiple MVPs. Giannis finishes second. Joel Embiid finishing third in the race. Barry, did they get this right? Oh, let's see here. I just want to – I'm pulling up the stats again. So, Jokic this season, 27.1 points per game, 13.8 rebounds, 7.9 assists, one and a half steals, and almost a block per game. Incredible year for him. The stats are much better than last season. I mean, points is about .7, but the rebounds, three rebounds a game, assists is right about there. He improved the steals. Um Great season for him. Three-point shooting is down a little bit. Field goal percentage is up. Career high in field goal percentage, I believe. I think they did get this right, um, but I'm surprised that Embiid wasn't number two in voting. That's exactly how I feel. I, I mean, I, I no shade to Giannis. totally would have been okay with Embiid winning this year. I think he's more than deserving. Um, y- you know, it, I just... Looking at the total package of everything, Jokic had a far less, uh, got far less help from his team this year than Embiid did, which yeah. is kind of crazy to think about because Ben Simmons didn't play in a game. Um, I realize the Eastern Conference is tougher, uh, but Jokic dragged that team to the playoffs single handedly. The numbers speak for themselves. Like it, it's a regular season award. I don't see how you can disagree with what. Jokic's numbers were uh, Embiid has a great case for it as well I totally agree with you though Embiid should have definitely finished second and Giannis third yeah people in the chat are talking about games played um, Embiid played 68 games this season and uh, Jokic played 74 so pretty close there no shade to Giannis but you know, that's the thing about being a great player and being consistently great. We've seen it with LeBron yeah. James where it's like, why doesn't the dude have more MVP awards? <clears throat> why doesn't um, Kobe have more MVP awards? Yeah. You get so used to what this guy does on a daily basis that you're not even really impressed anymore. Um, but great seasons by all three of these players. Uh, happy to see Jokic win another MVP. Happy to see a center win MVP. Um, it's always exciting when that happens. And an international player has yeah. now won the last four MVP awards. Yeah, shout out to Serbia. 
All right, next up, Monty Williams wins Coach of the Year. He leads the Phoenix Suns to the best record in the NBA. Uh, Kings could have hired this guy, Calvin. Just throwing that <laughs> out there. Could, they could have. Um, what are your thoughts on this uh, this award and, and him winning it? Uh, much deserved. You know, I, again, I, I don't see how you can really argue with this one. They were the best team uh, record-wise and performance-wise throughout the course of the entire season. It's the highest winning percentage for the franchise and team history. Um, he's done an incredible job with this group. I mean, yes, getting Chris Paul obviously helps, uh, but I think the confidence that he instilled in this team during that bubble run, you know, they clearly love playing for him. Um, and sure, they're just like the MVP award, there's probably a couple of other coaches that you could make a good case for, Eric Spolstra being one of them. Um, Ime Odoku from Boston oh, as yeah. well. Great season. But, man. you know, I don't see how you, you argue with Monty Williams being coach of the year. Is Doc Rivers on this list? Uh, he wouldn't be in my top three or four, I would say. Okay. What about Mike Malone? I'm just talking about teams that dealt with a lot of adversity, yeah. drama, injuries. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, playoffs. you could make cases for probably half of all the teams that made the playoffs. The, the Grizzlies being one of them. They had, you know, one of the better years in franchise history as well. They finished second in the Western Conference. Um, yeah, but Mike Budenholzer, I, you know, there's you can make cases for a lot of these guys, but I, I think this is the right answer here. Okay. All right, congratulations, Monty Williams. Much deserved uh, Coach of the Year. We'll see if this turns into an NBA championship. And uh, we've also seen some guys get fired after winning Coach of the Year. <laughs> I not don't that think, I think he's in yeah, jeopardy Not of that I think that will happen here. Right but uh, also want to give a shout-out here. The Kings just hired a former Coach of the Year in Mike Brown. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I know a lot of people in here are – are fans of the Royal Rebounds podcast, and we will be doing a more in-depth conversation on this move on Royal Rebounds later. But so I won't get like too technical or too far into it. But I think that the the biggest takeaway I have from this move is that there seems to be cohesion and togetherness within the ownership group in the front office. They yeah. they were able to come to a, de a mutual decision, even though both groups liked different candidates. And it is important because it shows that they're giving the power here to Monty McNair. This is his team to run. This is the guy he wanted. And those are positive things, I think, to take away. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Great move by the Kings. Happy to see that Monty was, was uh, given this decision. He signed him to a four-year deal. I hope Monty's contract gets extended to align with this contract. I love a defensive-minded head coach. I think he's going to help the Kings a lot. Excited for the season. All right, Calvin, I think it's time here to recap the weekend. And we got a ton of games oh, yeah. to go over. So I kind of broke it down here into four separate series. We have the Suns versus the Mavs, the Heat versus the Sixers, Celtics versus the Bucks and the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. These are basically everybody that's left here in the playoffs. Uh, we saw two of these series only play a game, and the other two series played two games. So first, let's talk about Miami at Philadelphia. We saw Kyle Lowry, you know, laboring in this game. Lots of uh, pain in his eyes due to the hamstring injury. We saw Joel Embiid come back. They win both of these games, but let's talk about Friday's first. So Philadelphia wins 
99 79 in Philly. A 20-point victory. Danny Green gets his stroke back, leads the team with 21 points, 18 and 11 for Joel Embiid, and uh, Jimmy Butler, 33 points, 14 off the bench for Tyler Hero, and basically nobody else scored for Miami. Yeah, like we said earlier, Jimmy Butler in both games in Philadelphia was really the only guy to show up. He scored 73 points in those two games combined. Miami only scored 79 as a team in game three. Uh, they This series comes down to, obviously, Joel Embiid is back, and that is a huge bump up for the 76ers. Uh, it affects everything they do offensively, defensively. Danny Green, we talked about. Philadelphia needing that third or fourth guy to really step up, find the stroke from outside. Danny Green went 10 of 13 from three in games three and four combined. The Sixers made 32 threes in both of those games as well. And Miami, their shooting fell off of a cliff. They were the best three-point shooting team in the league all year long, 14 for 65 from three in games three and four for Miami ton of turnovers as well so it, it's uh Philadelphia definitely used that home court advantage and getting the 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 boost from uh, Joel Embiid playing again James Harden showed up Danny Green showed up and Miami they they just can't shoot from outside right now you know Embiid does make a huge difference defensively but he's not really guarding guys on the three point line so Philadelphia I think played better team defense in these two games and Miami, it's they're just struggling to shoot. It's a total role reversal of the first two games. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia fans are ecstatic. You know, they're back in the series. Calvin and I called it on Friday. We're like, we're not even interested really in these <laughs> series because they're both going to be over. We picked both of these teams uh, in Miami and in Phoenix to head to the finals. Or I actually picked Miami. Calvin picked uh, the Bucks, but. Tobias Harris, only nine points in this game, four of 13 from the field, but he had eight rebounds, or sorry, 10 rebounds, eight assists, two steals. He fouled out in this game. He's been more of a facilitator, getting guys involved. Danny Green, for me, is one of the major differences other than Embiid returning. Danny Green, this dude's got three NBA championships with three different teams, and that's, uh, you know, with the Raptors, the Spurs, and the Lakers. He is a champion, um, and he stepped it up. Seven of nine from three-point range in this game. And then we also got to give it to Tyrese Maxey, 21 points in this game. Yeah, he's played very well as well. And James Harden has stepped it up, maybe not scoring-wise, one of seven from three-point range in this game, only 17 points, but eight rebounds, six six assists. Unfortunately, did have his first 30-point game of the postseason in game four, though. Correct. Um, they're just looking like a completely different team out there. Um, you mentioned Sunday's game. Let's talk about Sunday's game too, and then we'll go back, uh, you know, as far as Friday because I think it's a little easier here if we just break it down by series instead of bouncing all around here. So Sunday's game, Philadelphia wins 116-108, 31 points for James Harden, 40 points for Jimmy Butler, he did not want to let his team lose in this game, but unfortunately they did. 21 for Bam Adebayo, uh, 15 for Victor Oladipo off the bench, and only 11 points for Tyler Hero. 
The Philadelphia starters played incredible. All five starters in double figures, not much bench production, but they didn't need it in this game. As you mentioned, first 30-point game for James Harden here in the playoffs. Tobias Harris, 13 points, 11 for Danny Green, 24 and 11 for Joel Embiid, and 18 for Tyrese Maxey. They're happy to be going back to Miami tied 2-2. You're damn right they are. No, it, these these games Philadelphia completely took took control of. Uh, even game three, you know, they Philadelphia didn't really break things open until late, and that game was was real ugly for the first kind of seventy five percent or three quarters of it. Which I thought, okay, this is Jimmy Butler's game. Like <laughs> the, it just seemed like a, a total Jimmy Butler style game where nothing's really going the way that either team wants it to go. But this guy's just going to will his team to victory. It did not happen. He did everything he could in both games three and four. But, yeah, he he just had zero help. And it it just goes to show when you're – for Philadelphia, when your two best players play well, like they did in game four, Embiid and Harden, it makes things so much easier for everybody else. Yep. If Harden's knocking down threes, he's getting to the foul line. He attempted 10 free throws in this game. I think that's a a high for the series for him. How many did he have in game three? Eight. So, yeah, I I think that's the most he's attempted in any game in this series. That completely changes what Philadelphia looks like offensively. Now, not only do you have to double Embiid most of the time when he gets the ball, you have to worry about James Harden as well and probably send another defender to help on him. Mm -hmm. So, again, guys like Danny Green are going to get wide-open looks from outside, and if they knock them down, Philadelphia can be a really, really tough team to beat. Yeah, they are a completely different squad with Joel Embiid on the court. Um, It's it's getting exciting, Calvin. I'm not going to lie. I was wrong. I, I thought yeah, dead wrong. Miami was just gonna gonna like steamroll through this team. Philadelphia is proven they don't want to go home without a fight. So you know, game five will be exciting. Uh, we got a bunch of exciting uh, matchups here, Cal. We got some series. All right, let's go into the second series on Friday. They played both Friday and Sunday, and that is Phoenix at Dallas. Dallas wins both of these games. Shout out to Mike Monticello here in the chat. First game, Dallas wins 103-94. Jalen Brunson, I'm not going to pat myself on the back here, but I said this guy (laughs) needed to get involved more. Uh, People were questioning me in the chat. How does he get involved without the ball in his hands? They figured it out. They got this guy the ball. He led the team with 28 points in this game. Uh... Dallas seems to be playing better defense and Phoenix just seems to be kind of off their game here or lost a little bit in Dallas. Yeah. uh, Turnovers are the story here for me. uh, When it comes to Phoenix, they committed 34 turnovers combined in games three and four. That's 17 per game. Um, Chris Paul and Devin Booker in these games, three and four, I think combined for 17 turnovers, between the two of them that's where they're really struggling they're not putting the ball in the basket because Dallas's pressure is forcing them into turnovers and Chris Paul the dude is he seems like he can score whenever he wants to 
But I think he needs to want to score more. I think he's got to come out more aggressive and looking to score right away from the beginning of the game because they they need, you know, Aiton has kind of dropped off a little bit. I'm still not really sure why they don't feed him the ball every single time inside. Booker has played pretty well. He had 35 in game four. But they need that third guy, that third scoring option. And to me, that's got to be Chris Paul first. I mean, obviously, you you love to get nights like um, the one Jay Crowder had in game three, five of eight from three, 19 points. That really, really helps. But Dallas, or excuse me, Phoenix needs their their three horses to really, really come out strong. Yeah, and all five starters in double figures in this game. You mentioned Jay Crowder, 19 points. Bridges, 12 points, 8 and 16 and 11. Only 12 points for Chris Paul and only 18 for Devin Booker. Basically no bench production. I think this team had 17 points total off the bench between three different guys. Uh, Just a completely different game and a completely different series. Dorian Finney-Smith has been back. He's been shooting well. 14 points in this game, four three-pointers. Reggie Bullock, uh, 15 points, has also been shooting well. Jalen Brunson, as I mentioned, 28 points, four rebounds, five assists, a steal. And I didn't even talk about Luka Doncic, 26 oh, yeah. points. This is just 13 rebounds. Status quo for him at this nine point. Nine assists, two steals, five turnovers in this game, and he was in foul trouble. Uh, but there's a reason Chris Paul is trying to fight him in the locker room after the game, and that's because <laughs> he absolutely went to work against these Phoenix Suns. It's a series, Cal. It, it's a series, for sure. Uh, again, it's turnovers for Phoenix. Uh, they didn't shoot incredibly well in either game. Uh, they were over 40%, I think, from three in game three. Yeah, 46%. But the Mavericks, are it's raining threes in Dallas. They made 20 of them in game four. And that, combined with the uh, stepping up the defensive pressure and forcing Phoenix into a ton of turnovers that that's what swung the series uh in the the direction of the Dallas Mavericks here yeah Sunday's game Dallas wins in Dallas again 111-101 very similar story here not too much bench production for the Phoenix Suns only six points for Bridges uh and five points for Chris Paul as he fouls out in 23 minutes in this game 35 big points for Devin Booker 14 for eight and 15 for Crowder um, but the Mavs do it again another huge game this is probably the biggest game of Finney Smith's career probably eight of 12 from three-point range he was one short of setting a new Mavs record for three-pointers uh, 24 points for him eight rebounds and assists a steal no turnovers 18 for Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic 26 again, 7 rebounds, 11 assists, 3 steals, and they got some bench production by guys like Bertons, uh, 9 finger Bertons, um, <laughs> 9.5, Maxi Kleba, 11 points, and 10 points for Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I don't really know what else to say here, Calvin, other than the fact that I was wrong and Dallas is, is making some shots here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're making a ton of shots. I mean, you look at these guys. The, the role players for the Mavericks, Finney Smith, 13 field goals attempted, 12 of them were threes. Reggie Bullock, six field goals attempted, five of them were threes. Um, even Luka, 25 field goal attempts, 10 of them are threes. Kleber, seven to three. 
Berton's sixth, all six of his field goal attempts were three-point shots. Dallas is the epitome of a team that lives and dies by the three. If they're going to knock down 20 three-point shots in a game, they've got a really good chance to win most nights. So we both have Phoenix in five games, so that's blown up. Um, and we both have – or actually, I have Miami in uh, six games here. You have Miami in seven. So that series kind of going as planned, but this Phoenix series has taken a, a turn for the worst for the Phoenix Suns. We'll see what's going on with Chris Paul, whether there's any repercussions for him trying to uh, go through secret passageways to fight people, uh, what's going on with him emotionally, physically, um, I think this is like what his second playoff game he's ever fouled out of in his career. Something like so that. that. He hasn't fouled out of many. That's pretty wild. Um, but I also know that Chris Paul is a competitor. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. He will find a way to bounce back. Um, he just he's looking a little old after his birthday, Calvin. Yeah, yeah, he is. I but I agree with you. I think you know going back home to Phoenix. Um, he's upset. His family is now being compromised by the Dallas Maverick fans. I would bet money on Chris Paul having a big game five. Yeah, yeah. So are you taking Phoenix in game five? Yeah, I'll take them to win at home. And what about Miami? Are you taking them in game five? Man, I, I don't know. I want to pick. I have Miami winning the series. So, I mean, of course, I, I feel like I have to pick them. Um, but the, that series, I think, has really, really changed a ton. Um, I mean, both of these series have, obviously, going from up 2-0 to both being tied 2-2. But, uh, you know, the the MB, the fact that Embiid didn't play in games one and two and, and now he's returned, it, I think th that changes that series a lot more than two fully healthy Phoenix Suns and Dallas Mavericks squads going at each other. Yeah. That, that both held home court. Yeah, awesome basketball to watch this weekend. We will dive a little bit deeper into those uh, two series tomorrow. Um, we'll give previews of game five of both of those series. It's exciting, and shout-out to Mike here, staying true to his uh, to his team. Oh, Mavericks you got to. fan. Got uh, and congratulations on getting two wins and evening up the series here. All right, Calvin, let's talk about Saturday's games. We also have these games happening again today here in about uh, an hour or so. So let's break down Saturday. First off, Boston heads to Milwaukee, and they lose 103-101. Giannis has a huge game, 42 points for him, uh, showing why he was second in the MVP voting this year. Uh, 13 points for Brooke Lopez, 10 rebounds. Uh, Drew Holiday makes an appearance, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, a block. The dude has been playing incredible defense. Grayson Allen starts in this game, gives you an offer, 0 points, but he does contribute with 4 rebounds and 4 assists and a couple intentional fouls. Um, 11 points off the bench by Pat Connington. You know, this team outside of Giannis and, and Holiday didn't play incredibly well, but they were able to sneak out a victory here. It was another physical game. We saw uh, a lot of interesting fouls in this game. If your last name was Williams, uh, you got hit a ton in this <laughs> game. We saw uh, calls that maybe should have been charge calls. We saw uh, one of them getting elbowed in the face. Um, 
a really, really physical game for them. 22 points for Al Horford, 16 rebounds, one of his best games here offensively. Oh, yeah, definitely. 27 points uh, for Jalen Brown, only 10 points for Jason Tatum, 4 of 19 from the field, uh, disappointing output from him. But, Calvin, what do you think of this game? Like you said, very, very physical. Um, you know, both of these teams <clears throat> are really bruising teams that play physical style of defense. Um, and, you know, it was like we talked about after game two. Is Boston going to be that hot from three again? Probably not is the answer. And as a result, they only score 101 points. Wild finish at the end with that uh three or four tips. Oh, yeah. Almost converting it at the end there to force overtime. Um, but Giannis was every bit as good as he, you know, as he could possibly be in this game, and he pretty much willed them to a victory down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah, great players doing great things. That's what they do. You and I were looking for Jason Tatum to step up a little bit more here uh, as we get closer to the finals. Unfortunately, not a great game for him, but it's always tough playing against a guy uh, as big as Giannis. Yeah, I think no, they were really physical with him. They yeah. made it really, really tough on him. Jalen Brown has had two excellent games in a row for Boston. Um, but, yeah, that just like we were saying with Phoenix, how they need their stars to play big. Yep. I mean, everybody does at this point in the year, you know. Um, same goes for Boston. Jason Tatum's got to be Jason Tatum. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think they will definitely, uh, you know, watch some game film, figure out a way to work this out. Uh, you know, Milwaukee is a great team. They're the reigning champs, right? Yeah. Um, but they won 51 games in the regular season. So did the Boston Celtics. Both of these teams have a ton of talent, and it's uh, some exciting and, and basketball. And let's be real. Boston didn't get blown out in this game. They yeah. they definitely had chances to win yep. there at the end. So it, it it's still a very even series, in my opinion. Yeah, they had like five four or five tip-in chances there yeah. at the end, which is incredible. Um, anything else you want to mention on this game before we move on here? This isn't. These series are all now really, really exciting. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with Memphis and Golden uh, State tonight. If the Warriors are have another blowout win in them, I mean, you know, with John Morant not playing, clearly that is not looking good. But these other three series are looking like any team can win at this point. Yes, so the second game on Saturday, Memphis heads to Golden State. Uh, they were up at halftime, I think by like two in this game. Then they end up getting completely blown out in the second half of this game. Golden State wins 142-112. This is the highest scoring game we've seen here in the playoffs. Uh, a huge offensive output by the Golden State Warriors. I also want to say here, Clay Thompson did not score 23 and a half points in this game. Only yeah, 21. thanks to the Memphis Grizzlies not making this competitive. <laughs> Only 21 points for him, but eight of 13 from the field, nine rebounds, four assists. Great game for him. Steph Curry, 30 points in this game, 17 for Andrew Wiggins. Kaminga uh, started in this game, 18 points for him. Yeah, he was huge for them. 13 off the bench. Otto Porter and Jordan Poole. 27 points off the bench and an injured knee for John ja Morant. <laughs> Incredible game for him. Speaking of John ja Morant, 34 points in this game, three rebounds, seven assists, three steals. The dude was like, did you see that dunk he had in the game where he just elevated yeah. from like the free throw line and it looked like he was going to start coming down and then he just kept going. 
Yeah, he he seems like he can fly. I mean, he's like watching him jump is is like watching Michael Jordan jump. It's incredible. You know, those he's, guys, he's the got hang a double time jump. is ridiculous. He's got a double jump. Uh, 15 points for Jaron Jackson Jr. in this game. Only three rebounds for him. No blocks. Uh, something we've become accustomed to. Desmond Bain, 16 points in this game. 12 points for Melton. Steven Adams makes a, a small appearance with three rebounds. Or sorry, three points and two rebounds. The most important thing about this game is John Morant leaves with a knee injury and the Grizzlies end up getting blown out. So, Calvin, um, thoughts on the game? Well, uh, this game, my thoughts on this game are the same as the series. You know, before game three, we talked about how the series may have been tied 1-1, but Golden State is outplaying Memphis in this series, and that is continuing. They're out-rebounding them. They're killing them in the paint. Another 60-point game in the paint for the Warriors. Those are two things that the Grizzlies were the best in the NBA at all season long. So Golden State is beating them at their own game right now. It's basically a question of how many threes are, is each team going to make and how great can John Morant be in the fourth quarter. His numbers in this series are absolutely jaw-dropping. I mean, he's averaging like 38.5 points per game for Memphis in this series. So, yes, they played well with him without him during the regular season. They were 20-5 and five without Morant this year. Everybody was very, very surprised about that. To win against a Warriors team in the playoffs without John Morant is going to be a whole nother story. So we they definitely need Desmond Bain to play huge tonight. They need mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson Jr. to play huge tonight. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr., I think the Grizzlies came out, uh, you know, in game two, being the aggressor, being the physical presence in this game. Uh, And Golden State was the physical team here in game three. They dominated uh, with physicality. Jaron Jackson Jr., as great of a player as he's been, I need to see him play better. He needs to get some uh, blocks. He needs to protect the rim. He needs to rebound a little bit better. Um, And he just overall needs to score more. It's going to be really tough for this team to shoulder a load here with John Moran injured, um, but they just need to do more, and it's tough when the Warriors shoot 63% from the field and 53% from three-point range. But I think it all comes back to physicality. Whoever is more physical, whoever is the aggressor, seems to be the team that wins that specific game in this series. They're going to need a ton of physicality in this game to make up for the loss of John Morant. Definitely. Getting Dylan Brooks back will help, especially with the physical part. Yeah, yeah. We'll see We'll see what happens there if, if there's a, an altercation or anything <laughs> between him and Draymond yeah, Green. Yeah, o- over or under one and a half ejections for yeah. this game tonight. <laughs> All right, so any uh, preview predictions or anything you want to make on today's games? First off, we have the Celtics at the Bucks. The Bucks are favored by one and a half in this game, and it is at home. Um, I'm looking here at the injury report. Robert Williams is out, um, and Sergi Baca is out for the Bucks. Uh, I'm going to take Boston to win this game. Uh, again, I think this is one of the. This might be the most evenly matched series out of all the semifinal series. Uh, it's really tough to beat 
Boston twice in a row because of how great they are defensively. Jason Tatum will probably have a better game mm-hmm. than he did in game three. So I will take another close victory, but I will take Boston in this game. This is going to be a, a very, very tough game. I see, or I'm, I'm looking to see how uh, Jason Tatum bounces back from uh, the previous game. I think if he has a good game, Boston ends up winning this game. Um, but I, I think this series is kind of very similar to the, the Grizzlies-Golden State series. It's getting physical. Whatever team is more physical, I think, will end up winning this game. Uh, I'm going to pick Milwaukee here at home. All right, second game of today. Wow, the spread's pretty big on this game. The spread is huge. Uh, we have <laughs> Memphis heading to Golden State for game four. They are down 2-1 in the series. They desperately need a win here. Um, to even it up, it's going to be tricky without John Morant, who's listed as day-to-day. Um, the Warriors still have James Wiseman and Andre Iguodala listed as out. The Warriors are favored by 9.5 here at home. Oh, it just came down. I saw it at 10 earlier. Wow. If if John Morant can't go, uh, this is an easy win for the Golden State Warriors. That being said... You know, they won over 20 games this season with him out due to injury. So uh, what are your thoughts here? I like Golden State to win this game. Um, If I was betting, though, just the fact that it's a double-digit spread in a playoff game is crazy (laughs) to me. Mm -hmm. I understand why John Morant has been pretty much everything for Memphis in this series in particular. He's had some of the best games regular season and postseason uh, of that he had all year long against Golden State. So it's going to be really difficult for them to win on the road without Morant. I'm just betting on the fact that it's not going to be another blowout. So I would put money on the Grizzlies to cover this huge spread, but I think Golden State will win the game. Yeah. Got to give a couple shout-outs here. Steven, what's up, dude? Gothin, good to see you. I'm glad you made it here to watch the live. Uh, we saw Ivan in here, Techno Peasant. Mike, thank you guys all for joining us. Um, We're just giving predictions here on today's games. Um, I'm taking Milwaukee. Calvin's taking Boston. And I think we both agree the Golden State Warriors are going to win game four here in Golden State. All right, Calvin, anything else you want to touch on before we open it up to Q&A? Man, we covered a lot, so I, I think we hand the keys over. One last thing I forgot to say. That half-court shot by John Morant oh, yeah. <laughs> was awesome. It's pretty cool. That was awesome. The dude just is has such a good swagger to him. That team goes as far as he goes, and unfortunately he's injured, uh, which is what's affecting my predictions here. What's up, Key Kings? Good to see you. Um, and, yeah, shout-out to Vinny Squatch as well. He's here in the studio. Just a quick update, guys. We're going to be posting a video here on Royal Rebounds in a little bit after we finish this up talking about uh, the head coaching hire, so make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Also, please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Share this video with all your favorite basketball fans. Let us know down below in the comments what you like about our new bar here on the bottom. And, Calvin, let's open it up to q and a so if you guys have any questions any topics any things you want us to discuss calvin's got answers and i'm uh <laughs> i'm here to uh try and help out steven says any one of these eight teams can win the title yeah 
Yeah. I don't know. I, if they're healthy. Yeah. And and that's the thing, right, is we're seeing Kyle Lowry is having issues here in Miami, and they've been struggling. Uh, whatever happens here with John Morant is <laughs> technically, yes. Uh, whatever happens to John Morant's going to be interesting. Um, it's quite unfortunate, but it, it is a part of the game. And, uh, you know, if you guys play fantasy football, uh, you know it, it's a huge part of that. Um, injuries, they just they happen in sports all the time. And, they do. unfortunately, do, they do affect the outcome of, of many different games here. And we've certainly seen a lot of them both this, well, the last couple of years in the NBA and in this playoff run. It's been unfortunate. Do you think Chris Paul's dealing with any injuries right now? Uh, well, I, I know they reported that he's got dealing with some uh, finger or hand issue. I think it's his left hand. Uh, he, he had it taped up all the way back in game two, I think, of this series. A- at this point, if you've been playing, you know, most of the season and now you're into a deep playoff run, mm-hmm. probably over half the roster is dealing with some sort of injury, whether it's a minor one or, I mean, there's a reason why all these guys are listed as day-to-day before every single game. Calf strains, hamstrings, hand injuries. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's probably a good chance that Chris Paul isn't 100%. Yeah. I don't think he's too far away from that, though. Which series do you think has higher tension after this weekend, Mavs, Suns, or Grizzlies, Warriors? They That's a good both question. Been really physical. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the Warriors series, it's been going on a little bit longer now. Mm-hmm. Um, because you had right from the beginning, Draymond Green ejection, ejection, yeah, break the code, all of that stuff. So I, I, it feels like the tension in that series is getting higher with every game, even though the last game was a blowout. But this Mavs series, you know, you've got family members involved now. People are leading the team to, through the secret tunnel to go fight each other in the locker room. How does he know about all these secret tunnels? <laughs> I don't know. The Clippers one makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he knows about all that stuff. I'm also not sure that that report was 100% accurate. But if it was, then that series is also taking it up, you know, another three or four notches. So yeah. uh, it's kind of a toss-up right now. I think you have to wait to see what happens in, in games four and five in those respective series. I totally agree. All right, quick thoughts here on King signing Mike Brown. I'll just say what I said earlier on the show in that the biggest takeaway for me from this hiring is that the organization is on the same page and they're letting Monty McNair run the show, which are very, very positive things moving forward for Sacramento. I think Mike Brown is deserving of the job. He's a defensive-minded guy, which the Kings need. Um, so now the question is, can they convert that to the right type of play on the court? Yep, I couldn't agree more. I, all I got to say is coach of the year and defense. Most important things to me. Should the Grizzlies bench Ja Morant for the remainder of the series to protect him from further injury? No. I don't think they have a chance to win the series without Morant. So if he can play... He's got to play. I mean, you you, yeah. you got to talk to the doctors. That, that's what happens. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't want to. It depends on how hurt he is. You don't want to just put him out there on one leg, basically. But if he can go, he's got to play. This is the playoffs. I mean, we're seeing it with Embiid right now. He's battling through a ton of injuries. 
unfortunately that those circumstances come up in playoff runs and if you're the best player on your team and you're good you know you're healthy enough to play then they their team needs you out there yep yep i agree I agree. Um, do you think Jokic was deserving of the MVP award? Yes, I do. I think Embiid should have finished second uh, over Giannis. That's the only change I think they were all that deserving, I would make. They, yeah, they all were yeah. deserving of the award. Um, and I wouldn't have been upset. I wouldn't have been upset if any one of the three of them won it. Uh, certainly if Embiid won it, you know, for most of the season, Embiid was probably my pick. I just, at the end of the regular season, seeing what Jokic did, the numbers that he put up, you know, being the first guy in NBA history to do a lot of things in this regular season, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me that he wins the award. It's such a hard award to really quantify, right? Because is it most Im- invaluable player in the league? Is it most valuable player to your team? Does team success have anything to do with it? Is it just numbers? Uh, but I think that all three of the top vote getters in Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic all deserved it or were deserving. But uh, I, I'm not mad. I, I think Jokic had an incredible season. I think he uh, he pulled his team to the playoffs with not a lot of assistance uh, due to injury. And uh, congratulations. All right. Uh, they want to talk about Mike Brown again here, Calvin. Um, does it help the Kings in the long run? potentially making the playoffs this season? I say um, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, the long run and making the playoffs next season are two different things. But I, I think the answer to both of those questions is yes. What is Clay Thompson's future with the Golden State Warriors? I, I saw a hot take. Was it Charles Barkley or who was it that said that they need to move on from Clay Thompson and make Jordan Poole the starting shooting guard? Sounds like something Charles Barkley would say. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think the Warriors are in a really, really interesting and unique position here in these next couple of off seasons. I mean, you've got, in terms of what his uh, short-term future with the team is, they've got him under contract until the end of the 2023-24 season. He's going to be making an incredible amount of money, him and Steph Curry combined. Next year... He's, he's making 80, over forty million. Eighty-three, almost eighty-four million over the next two yeah, seasons. Yeah, and the, yeah, the the following year it's over forty-three million dollars that he's owed before he becomes a res- unrestricted free agent. But the like we just said, the Warriors are in a really interesting spot because they can kind of play this one of two ways. They can say, "All right, we're going to keep you know the core pillars of this team intact and use our young." talent talented assets as trade bait basically to try and get somebody else who is a win now player on this team and basically you know just make a run at a couple more titles for the next two to three years or they can decide to move on from one of these high high money guys and one of the stars of the team i.e Kurt I don't believe it would be Curry but Curry or Thompson or Draymond somebody like that and then insert the young guys into the team and hopefully become the next San Antonio Spurs where they're not good for just the next two or three years, but they're good for the next 10 years. I'm not really sure which way they're going to go. I mean, the Warriors seem like an incredibly loyal organization. These guys basically brought this franchise out of the ashes. 
um, to, to become a dynasty. It would surprise me a lot to see Clay Thompson on another team. I, I will yeah. say that. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, basically Jordan Poole needs to be paid. The dude is incredible. I think he needs to be with the Warriors. The question to me is whether Clay Thompson's going to be willing to take a back seat on this team. And I, I, I don't see why not. You know, he's getting paid. He's winning championships. He's happy. He likes the Warriors. I don't see any reason for them to move on from him. Unfortunately, it's not like football where you can restructure deals and make things fit. Um, but I, I think the Warriors will find a way to pay all these guys. Their owner has been more than willing to pay people. They have a lot of young guys in cheap contracts, and they have their veterans uh, in the NBA. You can use things like bird rights to re-sign guys. So I see Klay Thompson staying with the Warriors, um, but I think his next contract will be quite interesting, and he could potentially be coming off the bench during that contract. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a realistic possibility. All right, does MVP really mean anything anymore? Seems more like beauty pageant trophy. To me, finals MVP means more and winning championships. Well, of course, winning championships means more. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? But that's a team award. It's not an individual award. Um, I, I think the biggest difference for me in, the, in how the MVP race has changed over the years is the level of talent in the NBA. It, it just is so much better than it's ever been in the league's history, which makes it that much more difficult every year mm -hmm. to determine who is the league's MVP. You know, in the 90s or in the 80s, you would have two or three guys, you know, maybe four to five that would have really, really great seasons statistically. Everybody else would just be nothing, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Now, you've got at least two or three guys on every team that put up huge, huge numbers all the time. So it's the level of talent, the comp the overall competition level is at a rate that it's never been at, which means for an award that already is a little bit arbitrary, right? Like mm -hmm. people can't really decide what the true meaning of MVP is. It makes it so much more difficult to pick a winner every year. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Um, I think we all agree that championships are important, <coughs> but the difference is championships are a team award. Um, I'd be interesting to hear what Steph Curry's answer is if you were to ask him what's more important, a finals MVP or an MVP award, uh, because he has an MVP, doesn't have a finals He's MVP. two MVPs. Um, one of those was un unanimous, yeah. I think first ever unanimous. Yeah. And he's got trophies, so or a championship. I, I think his answer would be, "I don't care about either one, either one of the MVP awards. I care about my three rings, my three championships." Yeah, would Iguodala ever win a regular season MVP award? Well, he hasn't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was incredibly good. He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. All right, Gotham's telling bad jokes here again. Here, Calvin, why do single men love to vacation in Hawaii? I think you should change the wording to they get laid as soon as they get there, not they get a lay. But I like the yeah. joke. <laughs> yeah, and actually, a lot of single men do not like vacationing to Hawaii or Maui <laughs> in general. Uh, Maui is known as, uh, what is it, newlyweds and nearly deads. And nearly deads. So it's, it's uh, brand new couples that are on their honeymoon. And you know how many drinks I've won sitting at a bar? Like, I... I bet you guys just got married, huh? And they're like, how did you know? I'm like, <laughs> oh, I could tell. 
Um, and then a lot of old people. I do have to say, though, I was watching Forgetting Sarah Marshall last night, one of my favorite movies. He was a single man traveling to Hawaii, ran into his ex-girlfriend. Uh, so I guess my answer to your question would be because they're sad. O- they're Oahu trying, is a different animal. Though, trying to move is. on, trying to heal. I, I don't really know. All right. Um, I know it's playoffs, but I'm so ready for next year. I mean, many Kings fans are. I'm ready for next year, but I'm trying to live life in the moment, enjoy the playoffs while I can. Uh, And, yes, we will be doing a live stream on May 17th. Make sure you guys tune in for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Calvin's going to be DJing here. Wow. And uh, tough question, Kings. It's going to be a party. Joe Lacob said they are trying to go the Spurs route. I mean, he's saying all the right things. He does the right things. I, I wouldn't blame him for wanting to do that. In the last 10 years of the NBA, which year would you guys consider had the most entertaining playoffs? I don't know if I can answer that question off the top of my head. I'd have to look back and think about it more. Yeah, I don't know. If 10 I years could, is a long time. If I could say exactly <laughs> which had the most, I mean, if I were to look at, like, finals, it'd probably be, a, be the year that LeBron came back, right? That was down 3-1, came back to win the title over the Warriors. We also saw a 3-1, uh, you know, Warriors over the Thunder before that. As far as playoff series, it might have been 11 years now. or I don't know. But that Bulls-Celtics series. That was pretty fun. It was, was that first round, right? It, it was, was like first Glenn round. Big yeah. Baby Davis, Ben Gordon, yeah. Derrick Rose. Was that his first or second year in the league? I uh, believe that was his. Charlie Villanueva, I think, remember. was playing on that squad. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think I mean, it was like there's been a, four a out of, of those games ones. went to overtime. That was an incredible series. I, I always think back to, I don't actually know if this was within the last 10 years, but LeBron's uh series where he single-handedly took down the pistons oh yeah i think that was more than 10 years ago 2007 2007, yeah but yeah that game where he scores the last 25 points in the fourth quarter in overtime that's one of the playoff moments that sticks out in my head the most um also that chicago bulls against the miami heat series where derrick rose wins game one i think that was the year he won mvp lebron hits the game winner yep Yep. I remember I was in the airport. I think you and I were both in the airport during that series. Might have been. And LeBron goes, yeah, I got mine too or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, that was great. I think that was also more than 10 years ago, though. That was 2011, 2012, 2012 season. I think it was the year Rose won the MVP. So, Yeah. Um, they need to give the MVP award out on the last day of the regular season. I like that. Couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. The longer they wait, the more um, controversy it creates. Yeah, it's skewed the voting is. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't understand why they wait. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, what if you had the best regular season of all time, and then you absolutely stink in the playoffs, <laughs> get eliminated, and then they give you the award? It's like Jokic, you know, they waited Till he got eliminated. He played really well, but they waited till he got eliminated to present him the trophy later on when he's not even in the playoffs. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, I think they were going to announce the winner of this award regardless of whether or not they, he was still in. The, I mean, we've seen guys in the playoffs get presented their awards. It yeah. just 
MVP is one of the last ones they give out, and so you have to be, you have to make it pretty far <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the playoffs in order to get that presented. To I you. think maybe what they need to do is is uh, maybe after the play-in tournament is over, they need to just have an award ceremony and give out all the awards. The only thing I could think of that maybe they could wait on is maybe Coach of the Year, and maybe they include Coach of the Year as a as a postseason award as well. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So hard to determine who is the MVP. You can make a case for five guys. Yeah, you can. It It is, it is tough. MVP does not mean nothing. We just don't know what it means. <laughs> I highly doubt. What is it? I highly doubt that Jokic is flashing his trophy around. Oh, it's probably on uh, on a nice shelf, uh, trophy rack in his in his house. That's where mine would be. Every time you ask for questions, all I think of is silly joke questions. Yeah, that's no, fine, we love dude. the jokes, Scott. Yeah, we love them. We love jokes. We love questions. Keep them coming. Ooh, 2011 when the Mavericks won the title. That was also interesting. I remember I was in the gym watching uh, the first round series against the Lakers, and uh, Andrew Bynum took his jersey off and was so <laughs> pissed. That was a great year. Pretty amazing. I still can't believe they beat Kobe Tim Duncan and yeah. LeBron. <laughs> yeah. That same playoff stretch. Incredible. And D Wade. Um, 2019 when the Raptors won, that was also entertaining. Favorite playoff series was 2006 Suns versus Lakers, and Kobe hit game winning shot and rips his jersey. Suns come back down 3 1 to win. That was a great series as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's, I mean, there's, there's been so a ton many. of them. There's yeah. so many. My favorite all-time playoff series is Houston's last two titles. I remember a couple great Houston series against the Lakers when they had Ron Artest. Those were very exciting to watch as well when Jordan was playing baseball. <laughs> All right. Steven is a Rockets fan. Okay. You guys both lived in uh, – in Houston? That's cool. All right. Regardless of what you thought about that weird Memphis weatherman who went after Dre, had you guys ever heard knuckled dragons used as a racial slur? Dr draggers. I have no Knuckle idea draggers. what they Oh. I don't I, know. I feel like I have heard that at some point, um, but I, I don't really know where or – and I, I don't – I didn't see this Memphis weatherman at all, so I, I don't know what that is about. But I'm assuming he used that term on the air. I don't know. Idiots. Idiots. We don't condone any of that <laughs> shit here. Do you guys see Phoenix re-signing Aiton for the max? Tough call. I, I mean, I think they should. I, if I was in that front office, I, I would definitely be pushing for that. I'd be all in on that. But um, we'll see. You know, they're... Robert Sarver, the Suns owner, is traditionally a guy who doesn't like to spend a ton of money or, or be a very high over the salary cap, paying luxury tax and all that stuff. So it, he's ultimately the guy that signs the check. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I think it depends on what other teams <laughs> offer him. I think Kings need to be in there. I think some of these other teams, maybe Charlotte is in there trying to offer him a deal. They need a center. 
Um, oh, there's if he is rumored to be even the slightest bit available, there's going to be a lot of teams that yeah. I think that will try and go after him. Phoenix needs to match him. They really do. It's just whether they're willing to or not is the question. All right. Um, let's see here. How have you felt about the officiating across the various series? I think this is just an overall question as far as officiating this year in the playoffs. Anything different? Anything you like or dislike? Um, I, I mean, I, there's always questionable calls. Uh, you know, we talked about it earlier on the show, that technical foul on Devin Booker the other day I thought was ridiculous. Um, I've seen a few other technical fouls that given that I didn't really think were, were valid. Generally speaking, you know, the, the intensity level, the defensive uh, physicality level goes way up in the postseason, um, and it's it's officiated differently than the regular season. I, I don't think there's any uh, secret to that. So officiated differently in the terms of they let more stuff go in the playoffs. It, it's more of a an intense, grinded out style. Players definitely play a different play differently in the postseason than they do in the regular season as well. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, people are always going to make stories out of officiating and, and, you know, this call cost a team a game, all that stuff, whether it's postseason or regular season. Um, I, I haven't seen anything that I thought was absurd, you, you know, at this I point. I just so. hate that they continuously stop the game and they're like we need to review yeah, this that's to see definitely one thing that if I don't it's like a, a flagrant right. one or two and right. all the, it's just too much going on it slows the game down it, it, it slows it down a ton takes it a lot longer for us to watch these games um i would think something similar to what the nfl does in in terms of having somebody in the booth that can make that decision that's watching those um and can just call down to them and be like yes it's this or that but then you get in this situation of like our teams or 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 the NBA rigging games and it's yeah. taking it out of well, control. And, and that's still stopping the play. Yeah, you know if you have to go to Secaucus or whatever it is to get the the official word. Yeah, yeah. I I think everything's fine. I just think that the league's getting a little bit softer, and and not that that's a bad thing. Um, they're just. They're trying to protect the players because they want more high-scoring games and they want the stars out there all the time. And I get it. It's just it, there needs to be some way to to not just completely halt the game and be like, okay, another timeout. I really only realize it, Calvin, because when I'm in the game and I'm watching it, I'm so into it, it doesn't bother me that much. But when I'm like, oh, I need to uh, uh, switch the laundry at the end of this quarter or, you know, my girlfriend's like, let's go at halftime, you know, and I'm like, okay, it's only five minutes. And then it just drags on with, like, another break and another pause and a review and a review. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this five minutes took, like, 30 <laughs> minutes to get through. That's when I really when I really notice it. Um, so what do you guys think Zion Williamson? He keeps getting hurt. What do you guys think about Zion Williamson? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, according to him, he's ready to go. He's, yeah. he's ready to play. Great player, a lot of potential. Unfortunately, um... He's in a place with really good food, which is probably not productive in terms of his body type. Yeah. Well, it's just an interesting situation um, because he's saying that he's healthy enough to play and the team is 
urging caution against that. So they, they need to get on the same page and yeah, it's like and the I opposite think it, of Kawhi Leonard. It, it's goes without saying they need him on the court. Like it, they they want him to be a part of their future. Uh, they're excited about what that team could look like potentially with him on the floor with Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. Um, so both parties should be moving in the direction of, we got to get this guy playing again. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's almost the opposite situation to Kawhi Leonard yeah. where the team's like, you're fine. And he's like, no, I'm not fine. So it, it's weird. <laughs> there you go. Ivan. It is weird. Should the NBA add another referee on the court to help miss calls? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of mixed on that. I guess just from my first uh, impression, um, I think it could it would definitely help. Obviously, to have another set of eyes, you know, you, you will have a, a fourth guy out there that could potentially see something the other three don't, or, or two guys or whatever. Um, but space is kind of limited. I, I don't, you know, I, I'd be a little interested to see how that would work with four guys and ten players out there. Yeah. You know, you might have more instances like the NFL does where guys be running into officials and. <laughs> Um, so it, it's an interesting idea, though, for sure. They need to move back the sideline cameramen, the guys under the basket, yeah, and definitely. the fans next definitely. to the court. Those they need to move back because they're, it's just so close. And then maybe there'll be room for another referee. But uh, Calvin's right. There's a lot going on on the court. Uh, you're always going to miss stuff, and having an extra guy out there just creates more opportunities to get in the way. All right. <laughs> Help me understand this. Is the playing tournament counted as regular season games or does it count as postseason? It neither. It counts as neither. <laughs> it, it doesn't count towards either one. It's it's just a, like Gotham says here, it's a separate tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a black hole it's, of it's stats. It's NBA purgatory. Yeah. Basically is what it is. LeBron would be the leader in play in tournament stats if he had been available to play in any of these games like he is in the playoffs because <laughs> he just plays in so many of them. But he never plays in the play-in because yeah. it, it just started, and he's never, I don't know, a yeah, seven it's, or eight. It's seed. weird. I don't like to play in tournament personally. but All right, guys, we are going to wrap up the show here. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate you taking time out of your day to hang out here with us. Please don't forget to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, share this video with all your favorite NBA fans. Uh, we will be here tomorrow with some more exciting action. Hopefully you guys are able to catch the games today. And uh, also, real quick, we are going to be posting a video on Royal Rebounds here shortly. It won't be live, but it will be Calvin and I's uh, kind of thoughts on the Mike Brown hiring uh, in Sacramento. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, make sure you close out your bar tabs. And as always, don't forget to tip your bartender.